0: Um, One of the things that I provide uh, for you all um, most of the time uh, as we go into a teaching time is an outline. And today in particular, if you would take it out and if you would get a pen out, um, I'm going to have a couple of exercises where you're going to need to kind of um, reflect, write down, uh, jot down some things. And then we'll also uh, use that same for sharing with someone near you. We're going to do that. Uh, In this series, uh, probably every time Um, we describe our church as a relationship-based church, connecting people with God, with one another, and their community. And one of the other reasons why I am doing this and making uh, our time together not simply lecture is because uh, we're told statistically that the reason people come to church Uh, might be varied but they stay for one and that's relationship. People in our society are experiencing brokenness in their relationships and as a result of that they're looking and coming looking for help and so as we're working and teaching through uh, this series on relational fitness uh, it's my hope and interest that as a part of this we actually engage and experience and do a little clinic as we go through it so that's what we will be doing so if you would Get your Vine notes out. uh, That will be helpful uh, for what we're going to do. We did uh, just begin a few weeks ago this series on relational fitness. Jesus in the great commandment and the great commission identified our purpose in life to be relational. And I don't know if you really thought about that. But I mean we can talk about purpose in life being about a lot of things. But in the scriptures, it all comes back to relationship. The community of God, the people of God, um, gathered together, uh, worshiping, loving God, and drawing others to him. That's that's why we exist. We exist to love God and to love others. We're also well aware uh, that in our uh, society now, and really throughout the world, people are experiencing a lot of relational pain. There's a lot of brokenness. And people are losing their ability to have healthy relationships. We actually need that left there. Um, It's going to be a part of a skit in about 15 seconds. Sorry, thank you. Now with that kind of uh, bad news, there is also good news. And the good news is, is that through the life death, resurrection of Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, God has provided the means for us to experience healthy relationships. Our job, as I talked about last week, is to cooperate with him, learning to see people as he sees them, and learning to love others as he loves them. When we consider relational fitness, one of the elements that we need to look at are emotions. No, no, look, see strong. that? You see the you red light see. on the camera? I think the cameraman is... No, doing I, doing need no, no I need to defend myself. I need to no, call. No, I am <laughs> ball! <laughs> 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 All right. So I hope everyone is calm around here. So, emotions kind of a, a significant element and topic when we talk about relational fitness. So that's what I'm going to talk about this afternoon. I'm going to talk about feelings and human emotionality. But before that, I'd like to pray. Father, we thank you that uh, you have placed within us and uh, emotions and, and feelings, that they're a part of uh, our genetic makeup, that you um, have not um, condemned us with them, <laughs> But instead, they are a part of wholeness. And so as we talk about this, and uh, probably really with a lot of various and different uh, beliefs and understandings about emotions, we just welcome you uh, to teach us and help us, Lord, to learn to love others as you love them, to see them as you see them, to love them as you love them. Father, for our guests that are here today, I just ask in Jesus' name that you would uh, especially draw near to them. Uh, that they would find and meet you today. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the uh, challenges that we face in the arena of emotionality is that many of us have a fairly limited emotional vocabulary. Often people will be asked, how are you feeling? And uh, we get asked, how are we feeling? And two of the most common things that are said are, Okay, right? How are you feeling? How are you doing? I'm okay. Well, that's, that's a really descriptive word. It really you know, just hits it right on the nail to help people understand how you're doing. The other one that we often get is, I don't know. So, I'd like you for a moment to reflect and think about what are some feeling words? What are some emotive words? And on your outline, you're going to find a place there, a little Spot for you to write down as many human emotions as you can. I'd like you to write down words that reflect human emotions. got a couple in the skit, calm, angry. Jot down as many as you can think of. If you don't have enough space on that paper, you can use your hand. Okay, now turn to somebody near you or get up and move to be near somebody and share your lists and look for overlap. How many of them are the same? How many of them are different? How many of you found a lot of similarities in the two lists, as you shared? How many similarities? How many found quite dis- dis- a lot of differences? Got a few of those. Okay. Um, one last question. We're going to do this one. How many of you had more than five emotions listed on your sheet of paper? Okay. How many of you had more than ten? Okay. See, this proves my point. Okay. How many had more than fifteen? We got we got a couple. We had three people in the room with over fifteen. Uh, By the way, they say there's over 300 (laughs) emotions that we experience, uh, as well as a lot of other, you know, kind of uh, shades of those. Okay, now, the next section on your notes, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to make a list of several events that you experienced during this past week. That's what goes in the first column, event. What is the event? Um, uh, you know, Daniel's parents saw their grandchild for the first time. Their grandson, this particular grandson. So that's a, that's a kind of an event. Some of you may have been in a car accident this week, tragically. Sorry. Hope hope nobody did. Some of you might have gotten a fire. Some of you might have gotten a job. Events, just events that you experienced this week. In the second column, what were your emotions? What did you feel? Try and identify that. And the third one, this one's a little bit harder. When you were feeling those things, what might people have observed on your face or have seen in you? Would they have seen the feelings that you were expressing? Write those three down. Uh, figure out you know, two or three of these events. going to sleep out there. I know those chairs are comfortable. The reason we're doing this is one of the, one of the challenges we face is that we we don't understand our emotions. Many of us uh, are not able to identify them. Um We don't understand when we're seeing them in others. I mean, we know anger. That one's pretty clear. But there's a lot. There's 299 other emotions. Would somebody be willing to share an event that they had this week and what feelings uh, they experienced and what uh, maybe might have been able to be observed? I got somebody in the back row uh, shouting at me, go for it speak loudly though it is it is hard Okay, so Bill, what did you see uh her what did you observe her doing when she read the email? A lot of joy? Okay, smiling, happiness? She didn't jump up and down though. Not quite that extreme. Okay. That's a pretty good news. We're Well, that we that we're that's why we're talking about that this this week. Okay. So. Yeah, physical jumping, yes, I know that one. One other person willing to share an event, the emotions you experienced and and then what others might have observed? Yep. Somebody out there? I I see Priscilla. I bless her little heart. She is available and offers. She supports me wonderfully. Let's let's go with Camille. Hm. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> that's cool. All right. And she did get a job. Did you jump up and down? No, no jumping up and down. I think it has to do with this age thing, I'm not sure. Well, as I mentioned, uh, it's suggested that there are over 300 human emotions. I'd like you to look at the screen up here. I've got a list of 42, and not only are there the list of emotions, but there's pictures uh, to go along with them. So uh, in case you know, you're missing some uh, vocabulary, emotional vocabulary, here is some of these. Now, one of the things that's interesting is that most emotions do have a face that goes along with it. How many of you have ever been told you've got that face on again? I get told that a lot. Okay, wipe that face, wipe, wipe that look off your face, right? One of those kind of things. So um, that does happen, and uh, so there's just a, a few to help you uh, be thoughtful about that. All right, I want um, you to join me just to think about this. As, as we learn to identify and, and share our feelings, um, this is going to be a challenging arena for us. We have experienced, many of us, a lot of pain in this arena of emotions. Um, We haven't been taught a lot about it. um, But that's what we're doing. We're working on that. How do most people respond to the question, how was your day? Fine. It was okay. Good. Okay, aren't those wonderfully... Explicative. Don't they just tell you all about what happened that day? Listen to this. Here is a is an, an individual who has been trained to identify and describe their feelings. Hang on. Wow. Today was quite a day. I, I felt exhausted most of the time because I didn't sleep very well last night. Then we had long meetings that made me even more tired. I was frustrated, trapped, because there were tons of phone calls and I was stuck in the meeting most of the time. A good friend, however, helped out, which encouraged me and left me more motivated. Hey, thanks for asking. Your interest has left me feeling valued and I'm grateful to God for your friendship. And how are you doing? (laughs) Now, if somebody responded like that, what would you do? You'd run. I wouldn't ask again. Okay, friends, we are shallow people. We don't have time to listen to one another share what happened in their day to know one another. It's tragic. It is just a very clear picture of the distress that we're in. Here's somebody who happens to have the ability and knowledge of what's happening in their life and to share with them. We don't want to be this vulnerable, most of us. And, of course, we don't want to talk that much. We don't have time. We've got to get back to our cell phone or our email or whatever we've got to do. By the way, what are some of the emotions that this person mentioned? Exhausted? Frustrated? Trapped? Encouraged? Valued? Stuck? Grateful, Motivated. One more. Is tired an emotive word? Yeah. Exhausted is. Tired is? Yeah. Sleepy? All right. We need to learn. Grateful. We got that one value. Those are cool. All right. Another challenge that we face besides this element of just being uh, um, really just not having a vocabulary to describe this is that this other thing that we're sort of touching on, and that is is that in Western cultures, emotions are minimized or even criticized. She sure is emotional, might be said of someone, with the inference that to be so is bad. Some people might say, be rational, seemingly placing rationality above emotionality. You're a basket case. You're a wreck. Personality research has suggested that human personality consists of roughly four-fifths emotions and one-fifth intellect. Our personality, what we present, what we're made up of, is four-fifths emotion and one-fifth intellect. That means that our responses and reactions are made on the basis of 80% emotions and 20% intellect. I might advocate that we need to learn about this because if we're going to respond out of 80% emotions we better learn what's happening inside of us so that our responses to others can be loving and caring as well as from the standpoint of learning from others to be able to be able to respond well to others so to minimize or criticize emotions is to devalue or exclude a very significant element of human personality. That's what typically we do. Shove it, push it down, devalue it. Perhaps an even more significant reason to value and understand emotions is because God has emotions. And having been created in the image of God, one of the elements of his image that we reflect is emotions. Listen to these three passages. Genesis six six says... The Lord was grieved that he had made humankind on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. How many of you here have had your heart filled with pain? Is it any consolation to know that God understands that emotion? You know, it's one thing to look at the life of Jesus and to see his emotions. I'm not listing any of those. You can find lots of them. Garden of Gethsemane, he was left alone. Lots of those. But Jesus was functioning as a fully hundred percent as a human, and so it would make sense to us that Jesus would have uh, emotions, right? But what? But this God thing. Now, some might say we're anthropomorph, whatever that word is, anthropomorphizing, cessation, you know. But friends, the Bible is a word of God, and 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 my advocacy is that that the the humans whom God used were not just making this up and sort of. You know, putting this on God. This says God's heart was filled with pain, and I believe that emotions are a part of God. God is love. My goodness, is that not is that not emotive? Yes, it's a decision. It's something we do and an action we take, but it also has emotion. Deuteronomy thirty two twenty one. God says, "They made me jealous." by what is no God, and angered me with their worthless idols. God experienced jealousy. Now, God doesn't sin. So, there is obviously a righteous jealousy that is occurring here, as well as a righteous anger. We saw that in the life of Jesus with the turning over the tables. Jesus never sinned. So, that action that he took, that emotion that he expressed and those actions he took were not sinful. Can we sin in anger? Oh, absolutely. most I did it this week. but God is emotive, and he does it appropriately and without sin. sephaniah three: seventeen The Lord, your God, is with you, He is mighty to save, He will take great delight in you, He will quiet you with his love, He will rejoice. Over you, with singing. Isn't that a beautiful, emotive passage? The Lord delights in you; He rejoices over you. You know, when I went to see D'Artagnan the first time, you know, I mean, this this little tiny bundle. He was, uh, I think, it was the next day after he'd been born, And, and you know, that delight, that rejoicing in me, that that energy of this new life, and and it's a boy. I mean, I didn't know that was. I didn't know it was possible, you know, in my lineage. But we, we got, uh, Daniel, thank you very much. Got the job done. Um, Tabitha, also another daughter, is, is due in the next week or two. And uh, they're also expecting a boy. So we've, we finally brought that uh, into reality. Thank you. It's cool. Anyway, these passages tell us that God has emotions. God can be grieved. God's heart can be filled with pain. God can be jealous and angry. God delights. And he rejoices. So I would advocate that if it's okay for God to have emotions, then it should be okay for us to have emotions. Do they need to be appropriate? Do they need to be honorable? Yes, absolutely. Emotionality, then, I would advocate is a normal and necessary part of being human and of human relationships. Our emotions alert us to perceived changes in our environment, and they motivate us to respond Emotions, it's been suggested, are like the warning lights and the gauges on the dashboard of a car. Emotions, in a very positive way, serve to motivate us to engage or to connect with others. But emotions can also feel negative in that we can be hurt. And as such, they alert us to potential problems or challenges in our relationships. They may signal something deep within us that is still yet unresolved, conflicts, injuries that have never been addressed. The problem is not that we have them, What we need to do is learn to understand them, learn to share them, to manage and respond to emotions properly. And so I want to just address some of that this afternoon a little bit. i want to talk for a moment about the benefits to understanding human emotionality. Number one, understanding emotionality will help us to live a balanced and meaningful life. There's a saying that says deal with your emotions or your emotions will deal with you. Another one says emotions that are buried are buried alive. Those of us who have lived our lives uh, attempting to you know, push our emotions away, to uh, not uh, take notice of them, to deal with them, to uh, acknowledge and work with them, are left with uh, this uh, challenge that of, of relationships and of the ability to be able to appropriately engage And some of us are still carrying around things from our past, hurts. That's a part of what we'll be addressing next week. When God created us in his image, he placed emotions in our DNA. Therefore, it's important for us to learn how to deal with them. Often people suffer from one or two emotional extremes. Some are out of control emotionally. Their emotions keep them on a constant roller coaster and they live in a constant state of turmoil. Their emotions rule their lives. The other extreme, of course, are those who deny their emotionality. They think the key to emotional health is to be non-emotional. But both of those extremes are unhealthy. And what God wants for us is to experience the blessing of a balanced and meaningful life that can come as a a part of understanding and um, welcoming human emotionality. Perhaps one of the most significant keys to relational fitness and health is emotional understanding. And health. And one part of this, as we've touched on, is beginning to expand our emotional vocabulary. Another part is beginning to acknowledge and value emotions. Secondly, understanding emotionality will help us to properly respond to other people's emotions. Every day, every day, we have the opportunity to experience others' emotions. Better understanding emotions will help us to better be able to respond. We are called, Jesus said, to a relational purpose of loving God and loving others. But not everybody that is presenting themselves to us is loving. Right? So therefore, we don't have to love them, right? We only love those that are nice to us. Isn't that what it says? Jesus said, love. No, he doesn't say that. So... If you have to deal with an angry person at work or a controlling person or a manipulative person you're called to love them. I know you don't like it. I don't like it. But we're called to love them. And learning and understanding emotionality about others and within ourselves. I mentioned last week that I got an email a few weeks ago that 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 stirred uh, anger in me, probably you know the third highest anger I've ever experienced in my life, which is quite a statement i'm fifty years old i mean that's that's a pretty significant statement and what was happening there is the emotion that was coming at me I just absorbed it <laughs> took it on and it and it bolstered up in me and it was it was anger, and I didn't like that. What I needed to do was to be able to recognize, and I shared this last week, that this person is a broken person. That they are um, missing some of the fullness of life of God. And as a result, I need to recognize that in them. And rather than want to condemn them or curse them or whatever, to recognize that in them, to recognize what's happening in me, and to take captive my thoughts and my emotions in that particular application. And to extend a loving thought towards them instead of what I really did think that I had to repent for. So, understanding emotionality will help us to properly respond to other people's emotions. Understanding emotionality is also a fundamental people skill that will help us to be generally more successful in life. We're surrounded by 6 billion people, and we interact with a few or many of those every single week. And depending on our occupation, each of us needs to learn a specific skill set, accounting, Mechanical, educational, art, illusion. But all of us need to learn to master people skills. So understanding emotionality is a key to mastering other kinds of people skills. Fourthly, understanding emotionality will help us in developing close and deep relationships. It's difficult, if not impossible, to be truly close to another person without engaging emotionally. Two people may think the same way by sharing political or theological or social convictions. They may enjoy the same activities or hobbies or interests, movies. They may even work toward common goals, spend a lot of time together. But if the relationship will remain superficial or remain shallow if emotions are ignored or neglected. On the other hand, when we do engage emotionally with another person, it's amazing how fast a relationship can become deep and meaningful. The key to deep and meaningful relationships is primarily in this arena of emotions and sharing of emotions. Again, we spoke earlier about our personality being four-fifths emotion and one-fifth intellect. That's huge. So in our relationships, we must take account of emotions. And then lastly, only by engaging with others on an emotional level will our aloneness be removed. We've already seen that the Bible clearly tells us it is not good to be alone. Aloneness is primarily an issue of the human heart. It's an emotional issue. It's definitely not just a physical issue because we can be in a room with lots of other people and still feel lonely. It's not simply a mental issue because I can have the same beliefs and convictions as others, and still be relationally distant, aloneness is an issue of the heart that can only be removed through close intimate relationships, and relationships can 't be close and intimate without the emotional dimension so those are some elements or benefits to understanding emotionality so that uh, that little tiny list you did of um, Boy, we just got lots of phones on here today. We're going to have to you know, that little message up there. Turn your phones off. Yeah, okay. Um, That little exercise you did at the beginning of beginning to identify the numbers uh, of emotions. I it, it had actually crossed my mind to produce a list for you, and I didn't do that. I'll try and remember to do that uh, for next week. I have a list with about 250 emotions on it. And it can be helpful as you begin this process of better understanding them and identifying them and, and uh, growing in uh, your use of them with one another. Okay, I want to talk about an, an arena now of emotionality that is uh, vitally crucial, and that is what is called emotional responding. After we begin this process of learning to identify and acknowledge and value emotions, For relational health and fitness, we're going to need to learn to share our feelings and welcome others to respond to those feelings. And we're going to need to learn to welcome others to share their emotions and their feelings as well as to respond to their feelings in appropriate ways. That, as I've already suggested, can be pretty scary because emotions can be pretty scary. There are times where we do feel like we're out of control or we're looking at someone who looks like they're out of control. And we might be. But there is, still a, there is still a way to love. And that's what we're looking to find. That's why we're talking about this arena, is to help us know how to love and to be and to experience love. Many of us have been hurt in the past. Lack of care from others. We've been hurt by uncontrolled emotions of others. But if we want relational health and fitness, then this is the journey we're going to need to take. And remember, you're not alone in this. God has given us His Holy Spirit. He lives inside of us to help us on both sides of this quotient. Both to share, to express, as well as to welcome and to extend uh, care to others. Let's talk a little bit about emotional responding. When someone expresses emotion, the only, the only, the only only proper initial response is to respond emotionally. I'll say that again. When someone expresses emotion the only proper initial response is to respond emotionally. Emotional expression demands an emotional response for us to experience love. For us to experience care. But because we're untrained in emotional responding, we often use ineffective substitutes. Someone might emotionally share, I was disappointed and hurt that we didn't get to go to the park as a family as we had planned. Now, just as an aside note, is that a critical statement? No. Is it a condemning statement? Is it a complaining statement? Okay, we got a couple shakes on that one. Okay, but how many of us feel criticized, condemned, and complained to when somebody simply shares their feelings of how they experience something? And I would advocate that there is healthy emotional sharing and responding, that when it's done, we will find a much greater level of health in our lives. Some of the inappropriate ways that we can respond to someone sharing emotionally, firstly, is logic and reasoning. Obviously, I wouldn't have made plans for going to the park if I'd known this business trip was going to come up. Isn't that comforting? Doesn't doesn't that just hit the mark? for that person we couldn't have gone anyway with Johnny having that runny nose facts, logic, reasoning misses the mark another one is criticism you sure are being sensitive about this I didn't think going to the park was such a big deal we feel criticized, we feel blamed and so we just get the old sword out, I'm going to take a couple swipes at you too complaints well I'm hurt too We could have gone last weekend, but you went to your sister's instead. Uh, Have you not heard these? Do we not hear them in the movies every day? Only in the movies, never in our homes. (laughs) (coughs) Logic and reasoning, criticism, complaints, and then a big one. Probably the one, I I probably struggle with all these, but the biggest one for me is the last one, neglect. I don't want to talk about it. I have to finish my report for work tomorrow withdraw Here is an individual sharing I'm disappointed. I'm hurt that we didn't get to go to the park as a family as we had planned. These responses that I've just shared all miss the mark, leaving the person empty, hurt, and alone. Guess I won't share that with them again guess I'll just suck it up. And this will just be the way our family is for the next few years until we get a divorce. We have a crisis in our world in the area of relationships that Jesus has come to deal with. And as a Christian community, and as Christians, we ought to be the ones leading the way In what it means to love others. But I missed the mark. We're playing cards. As a family. One of my daughters is helping me. She's actually better at that card game than I am. And so I had invited her help. But then when I go to try and play the card I wanted to play. She says no don't play that card. Pushes the set back into my hand. And what do I do? in the appropriate, godly, mature pastor-leader that I am, I say, stop trying to control me! That's what I said. Isn't that great? Wasn't that great? I mean, it's just so loving, so appropriately, emotionally responsive. That was this week, gang. I'm working on it. I better, right? You know? I did go to them later. Actually, just a couple minutes later, I said, all right, I've got the three cards you wanted me to have. How do you come? Would you be willing to come back? Because she withdrew, she got away from my sword, and uh, I said, "Would you be willing to c- come back and help me?" Because I got the three cards you wanted me to keep. Because I actually did what she wanted me to do. I didn't play those cards, and I won. She won. Imagine that. She came over. She loved me even beside myself. Pretty amazing. I, you know, hey. Pretty cool. And then afterwards, we talked, and I apologized and said that my response was obviously uh, uncaring, unkind, inappropriate, wrong. Would you please forgive me? And she said she did. And and she actually engaged me as well. All right. An appropriate emotional response would include an empathetic statement, such as, we're still dealing with the, the, the hurt and disappointed person. I can really understand how you're feeling hurt and disappointed. I'm sad and regret we didn't get to go to the park as we had planned. I know you were really looking forward to our family time together. We all were. How's that feel? that feel a little better? It may not be everything that that person needs, and one of those you know if there's fault on the part of the person uh, who is responding, you know, like they forgot or they planned something else. Then the response should include an apology. I'm really sorry, I messed up and forgot about the outing. Would you please forgive me? An incorrect response to that is, just as an aside, oh, it's okay. Because <laughs> it's not okay. They were hurt and disappointed. And the person is appropriately saying, would you please forgive me? And the correct response is not, oh, it's okay. What is the correct response? I forgive you. Powerful words. It's amazing how much healing comes when we say, would you please forgive me, and somebody says, I forgive you. Amazing. It's in the Bible, by the way. I don't know you might want to look it up. A part of a correct response from the... Uh, I've already said that. Okay, it might also include acknowledgement of the other person of their response. Thank you for being sad and caring about my hurt and disappointment. In other words, the person who said they were, I'm mixing this all up, but they're hurt and disappointed. The person responds appropriately. They uh, mention that I'm sad and regret. I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? Yes, I forgive you. And they might add as an appropriate response to their appropriate response. Thank you for being sad and caring about my hurt and disappointment. I mean, don't you just want to hug and kiss and make up? And You do. That's what we all want. But most of us are trained to bring out our swords and to slice. And that's what I'm trying to help us. So emotional responding. I don't want to say that a logical response isn't okay. It can be appropriate, but it should not be the first response. Often when someone is emotionally upset, it's difficult for them to respond to logic or reasoning. But once their emotions have been acknowledged and properly addressed, then they're often able to deal with the situation on a cognitive level. Here's another aside. I've got other notes I'm not going to get to, which is fine. One of the things Clara and I have identified in our family is that there are occasions where Clara has been hurt by something, whether it be me or the girls. And um, we're sitting down to talk about the situation, uh, to uh, emotionally respond. And we've been trained, you know, these things. And so very quickly after she shares uh, her situation, the event, uh, somebody says, I'm sorry, would you please forgive me? And, and Clara doesn't immediately respond, "Yes, I forgive you, because there is a an element of of having another person acknowledge the pain that is very healing, and so you know the the comments that that I gave there just you know a minute ago, those you know I'm sad and regret that we didn't go to the park. I know you are really looking forward to it. See, there's an acknowledgement of the um appropriateness of their hurt and sadness. I'm sorry. I mean, how many times do I'm sorry, or even I'm sorry, would you please forgive me? It's the right thing to say, but we haven't emotionally responded. I can really see how you were hurt by what I said. I can really see. That I'm, I messed up with that by not coming home. I, I really messed up by not calling you. And I, that left you in a very awkward place with dinner. We need to respond to people's emotions. And most of us go to these inappropriate places of logic and reasoning, criticism, complaints, and neglect. And we need to learn to be able to uh, respond emotionally appropriately. Okay. I'm going to do one last thing and then this other set of stuff I'm not going to do. We'll do it next week. It's cool. I got half my message done already for next week. I want to practice. Okay? We got a couple minutes. I want to practice. Get back to your sermon notes. Those of you who were good students and wrote on them. Thank you. On the front you have um, some events that happened, and some feelings that you experienced. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to have you share with somebody near you one of the events that happened to you and the feelings you had, briefly. No 30-minute dissertation, please. Don't have time. Just a brief, kind of like the people did that shared here. This was the event, and then I want you who are listening to that To emotionally respond to the person. I may give you another example. Last week I had a flat tire, had to change it in the pouring rain. It was such a drag. I was soaked, ruined my work pants. I was so mad. Now, it sounds like they're complaining. But again, there's pain, there's hurt, there's frustration. An emotional response to that will help remove the aloneness and take some of the sting out of that circumstance. Well, if you wouldn't let your tires get so bald, that wouldn't have happened. That's, that's a good emotional response. Yeah, sarcastic humor there. That's not the right answer. I'm really sorry. That that happened to you. I'm sad that you experienced that kind of pain. I can really understand that frustration that you felt. I'm really sorry. It's just... What? Okay. Okay. Oh, yes. Your own story. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I had that happen to me, too. I do that all the time. <laughs> I love telling my stories, don't you? <laughs> yeah, that's a that that that's not a correct answer telling your own story. The only appropriate first response is an emotional response. All right. Not an emotional story. All right. So, grab an event, grab your person, share briefly what was the event, what were your feelings. I'm sure Marissa could figure out how to do that with Mike's support. Mike, you want to freeze that there puppy and she can go find it? This is the last thing we're going to do, and then I will pray and close this. If you didn't write something, you can still do this. Surely you have an event. So get with somebody. Okay after the first person shares the other one gets to share too okay you turn this thing around you both get to respond share and respond Okay, one minute warning. twenty seconds D D D D D Okay Homework Homework if, if you don't take anything away from here, never mind. <laughs> we need to take this. We need to implement this. One, pay attention to your feelings this week. I'll try, maybe I'll email something to everybody who's, I've got an email address to with a list or something. Pay attention. What's happening inside you? What are you experiencing from others? And then... Emotional responding. Practice. Do it with a spouse, a friend. Pause. When you hear somebody at work complaining, but there's feeling words in there, if there's any appropriateness, offer a word of emotional response. It'll floor them. And they'll feel loved. Again, the goal here is love. Loving people in ways that they experience love. Way too often we love people the way we want to be loved. But emotionally responding is appropriate. Father, we thank you that you have emotionally responded to us. That you are the God of all comfort. That you are a God whose heart has been filled with pain. That you are a God who has experienced great delight and rejoicing. And that you delight in us. Wow. Wow. Oh yeah, you've been angry with us too. But I think that anger most of the time is sadness. Oh, my kids. Just like me with my kids. I'm sad. And you're sad for the choices that we make. That leave us so alone. That that leave us in pain. And Father, as we walk out this a series of relational fitness, Lord, this is just huge. It's huge in our relationship with you. The greatest commandments. All of the Bible is summarized in these two things, loving you with all that we are and loving others. So Father, we uh, we welcome you to help us. Father, many of us are in uh, difficult Relationships, whether that's at home, whether that's at work, whether it's at school. Uh, there's people in our lives that are just very challenging to be around. And Lord, love will cover a multitude of sins, as your love did upon the cross. So I welcome you to help us, oh God. Help us to find your provision for health and wholeness in our lives we know it's your heart you have declared it to be so and you've not left us alone to just work this out your Holy Spirit is in us helping us when we're weak praying for us when we don't even uh, recognize calling us to um, repentance when we need that so Holy Spirit come have your way in us Lord I don't want another divorce in this church ever again not another one, ever. And I welcome you, Lord. Heal and mend us. Enable us to be filled with your love, to partner with you in loving others the way you love them. And Father, for those in our lives around us, uh, at work, our neighbors, Lord, they're broken, they're hurting, they're longing for someone to love and someone to love them. Lord, might we be those people for them. In Jesus' name. Thanks for hanging out the afternoon. I hope you enjoyed your time. Uh, If I could have some of our folks up here, we always at the end of our service provide an opportunity. Uh, Some of you may be experiencing uh, a lot of pain, and uh, these folks would love an opportunity to pray with you, to talk with you, to be there for you so you're not alone to emotionally respond uh, to your pain. And uh, so we would love that uh, if you would uh, trust us with your lives and your events. Uh, We have folks that would love to be with you here. Don't forget the uh, class uh, that Kathy's teaching. You can still join in. Uh, It's at 2.30 to 3.30. They met in the hallway uh, this week because it was just so noisy in the lobby. Uh, our facilities are a little bit challenging, but anyway. But they were down the hall, so come on back next week. Be here at 2.30, and uh, it's a great class on learning to hear God's voice. A uh, very helpful thing. So God bless you all, and have a great week. Live your life on purpose, would you?